0: Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Hey, last week was an awesome week, wasn't it? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah. Week of prayer and fasting, we like to start every year off with a week of prayer and fasting, and that flowed right out of the message we were talking about last week, putting God first. Here's a question for you. How many of you last week was your first time doing any form of the week of prayer and fasting? How many of you first time? Come on, let's celebrate with those people. First time that they were doing that, yes. We had more cards than we've ever had. Last week, we asked everybody who was here to fill out one of these cards. It's By the way, the Sunday that we kick off week of prayer and fasting is a bad Sunday to miss because you don't get a chance to fill out one of these and have somebody praying with you for the number one thing you need God to do in your life. And so, hey, there you go. That's just why you shouldn't skip church. Anyway, We do this again in August. Go ahead and put that on your calendars, and like I said, every January, every August. So here's just a couple of things uh, just to share with you. We had a huge stack. I mean, if it were on this table, I think it was about this high of these cards of the people who were here last week and filled out one. This person says, please pray for me. I've been struggling with pornography for over 30 years, and I want to be delivered. Amen for that. This person says, I need healing from chronic Physical pain, if uh, you don't know what that's like, I'll tell you what, I've been watching my wife go through some uh, uh, chronic pain for years and years, and fortunately for us, we were able to discover uh, there was something surgical that fixed it for her, but I know for some people, this is is just where you live, and I know you need God to touch your body. Uh, This person says, please pray for my husband who has dementia. And they just go on and on and on. There were some with stage four cancer. And the stories just go on and on how much we need God to do something in our lives, which is why we took a week to say, God, first. God, we've got to see you moving our lives in a, in a way that, that we haven't seen, uh, at least at this moment. And it's what we, we're just crying out to you. You're the only one that we can come to. So we seek God first, right? And so uh, one of the things, though, that I noticed, there, there was a theme in the cards the, 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 this this person right here who needs healing from dementia and, and this this person who needs healing from their their chronic pain they need to do they need god to do something only god can do but there were a lot of cards i'm just going to be honest they don't really need god to do something as much as they need the people of god is that okay for me to say it's not heresy because the number of cards that i saw that said help me be the husband and father i'm called to be I mean, I just kept reading them over and over and over. It made me think, I'm just going to just do a men's conference on Sunday. We're just going to get all the men in here and go, I'm going to answer those cards. We're going to do something. But you know what? That, that's not what we do. And here's the reason. Because we, we believe that it's better to get together every week. Every day would be awesome, right? But more often, more often, and more often. And so I, I just really want to take a moment. It's going to sound like a commercial, and it's not. You see, we do small groups here because we understand their value. We understand the value of the people of God getting together on a regular basis in small enough groups that you actually know everybody's name. You don't know everybody's name in this room right now, do you? No, because there there are hundreds and hundreds of people in here right now. There's no no way to know everybody's name. There's no way that any of you want to come up on stage and say, that card about pornography is mine. Nobody wants to do that right now. But if you get six or seven men having breakfast together and getting to where they know each other and they trust each other, then they can say, hey, by the way, that was my card. Can you pray with me? Hey, have any of you struggled with this? Can you help me? And the Bible even tells us, let the older women train the younger women and let the older men train the younger men. And so I just want to tell you, we have been clapping and celebrating these last few weeks. As I've been telling you, we saw 118 people give their lives to Jesus last year. And we're going, let me ask you a question. How are those people going to know what it means to follow Jesus? How are those people going to grow? And and do you want God to send 118 again this year? I hope so. I actually am praying for 200 at least. That's what I want to see God do. But why would God send us people we're not going to raise up? Why would God not send us people we're going to gather around us and say, hey, let me me tell you what little bit I know. And I'm going to tell you right now, the first lie that many of you are hearing is, I I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I didn't say that they need the people of God who are perfect. They just need the people of God. They just need to know someone else out there struggles. They just need to know someone out there is a few steps ahead of them. Someone out there who can say, you know what? I, I was there a year ago. Let me tell you, what helped me get to where I am now. And so I, I'm. this is an honest, honest challenge. This is just. I just got to have a pastoral family moment. Is that okay? If you're a guest here today, this is a family. We're a family first. It's how we think. It's what we want to be. We don't want to be a group of nameless, faceless people who just show up and shake hands on Sunday. We want to be a family. And so as a moment here, I just want to talk as a family. We've got to get some of the big brothers and big sisters I need you to look around, and I need you to find your younger siblings and help. And I need you to do that by saying, you know what? I eat breakfast on Tuesdays. Matter of fact, I have to do it every day. But I'll do it on Tuesdays with a couple other guys. You know what? I have coffee a lot of days. I'll have coffee with a couple other ladies on Thursdays. That's for the ladies, by the way. That's not for the men. You anyway. <laughs> And I know right now you're going, that is awesome. I hope we're that kind of people. Hey, you beside me, are you listening to him? <laughs> you. All right, so we've got Life Group Leader training today. Even if you haven't signed up, come. You can find out how to sign up. Uh, go, Go do whatever you need to do. But we need to gather people around us. We need more men's groups. We need more women's groups. There were so many cards. I want to be the mom I'm called to be. I want to be the wife I'm called to be. We can help with that. And I don't mean we, the pastoral staff, we're not big enough to help the number of people that are coming here. I mean, we, the family, we can do this. We can help with that, which also leads to, uh, I just told you here, uh, we're going to be starting this series in just a couple of weeks. It's it's based on a book called Who Am I? If you go to one of the small groups, we're going to give you one of these books. We've purchased them all because this is one of the biggest questions everybody's asking. Why, Why did God put me here? That was actually on so many of these cards as well, and people saying, "What? I wish I could figure out my life purpose. What is God doing with me? And so we're going to really start off the year right after this first series with this. It's going to start on February 10th. We're going to finish the series out without with having the author and uh, of this book, Pastor a Friend of Mine, Jeff Little, is going to come and preach. And so for the first six weeks of whatever group you're doing, you're saying, well, I don't want to do a group because I don't know what to do. Well, the first six weeks, all of it's already answered. All you got to do is just get together and talk about whatever we're talking about here on Sunday and what that means. So, Okay, so everybody good? Yeah. Everybody feel challenged already? I, see, if that was better, I was going to let you go. I was, but, but, you failed that test, so now you got to hear the next sermon. I got to see if I can challenge you a little bit more. All right, so hey, we're in a series called first and uh, of course the video we've said every week is just silly and ridiculous yes that is there are just so many things in the natural like putting coffee in our cup we'd never do without picking up our cup i mean we'd never get those things wrong but there are some things when it comes to how the spiritual and the natural work together we don't always get first things first and it's all based out of one really, really famous sentence that Jesus said in his most famous sermon. And he said, he had this long talk about all the stuff you need, about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, and all this other stuff. And then he said, but look, don't worry about that, because your Heavenly Father knows you need them. And then he says this in but seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. You don't even need to seek first the kingdom and then go chase after them. No, no, no. You just, you just get God where he belongs in your life. Everything else is going to fall into place. That's really powerful if you think about it. And so we began the series saying, well, we, we need to put God first in our day because we want everything in our day to come together. We want to put God first in our day. Before we worry about what the world has for us, we want to know what God has for us. And then last week, part two, we talked about putting God first. Enough said, right? God first. We've got to go to God first. God is in charge of our world. He's in charge of our lives. God is working in us. God is working all around us. When we have a problem, he's got the answer. When we need to be delivered, he's got the freedom. Whatever it is, we just need to put God first, right? Now, if you were designing the series and you said, oh, they're going to talk about things that need to be first for the next four weeks. I bet they're going to talk about God should be first in our day. That would have made sense. Everybody could have predicted that one. I bet they're going to think we we should put God first in our lives. That that would make sense. And I bet some of you could already guess what a couple of the others maybe would be. What I want to talk to you about this morning is something that's often overlooked when we talk about putting God first. It's not one of those first four things that probably come to our mind. If you've been around Grace Life any period of time, uh, you've heard some of, of my wife and I, some of the marriage stories that we've shared with you. We've been married almost 23 years now. Wow. She, she uh, Actually, that means now we both have officially been together longer than we've been apart. Check that out. How cool. Y'all yeah, can clap for that part. That, that's cool. And as you've heard us tell our stories about marriage, uh, we, we've told you one of the reasons that God has given us a strength to help So many people get their marriage turned around, get their life back on track, figure out how to love the person that they feel like they have stopped loving. The reason that God's given us a gift in doing that is because we spent at least a decade with everything going wrong, and and, and you, you think, wow, how for a decade? More importantly, let's ask this question, why? Why a decade? And chances are, what we would say is not any different from what any other couple who who is struggling a little bit with their marriage would say. Every time we had a problem for the first 10 years, whenever something was wrong, she thought I was the problem. <laughs> and of course, I'm, I'm just kidding. And I thought <laughs> she was the problem. And, and when, when she, if something wasn't the way it needed to be, she would think I needed to change. And I would think she needed to change. And of course, when you're in your worst moments and you're not talking, she thought she made a mistake. And I thought I made a mistake. Come on, you guys know what I'm, I'm talking about here. She, she was a worship leader in her church in Romania, and I was just this little American who wandered around, did some guest preaching and whatever. And, and she thought that she was going to continue to be a famous worship leader, and I was going to be uh, her roadie. That's a true story. I'm not making that up. And That's true. That's true. She says she was going to be the Romanian Kim Walker, and I was going to be back there on keyboard. (laughs) You go, honey. Come on. That's it. There was probably a point where she thought God was going to take me to heaven. (laughs) That's just a joke. Maybe not. I'll never tell. You probably think I'm talking about putting God first in our marriage. We thought about that being one of the topics. The truth is that's so important that we rearranged, and we kicked that out of this series because what I need to say about marriage, I can't do in one week. And We're going to do a series in March. As soon as we finish this, we're going to do a series on marriage, and it's we've done a lot of marriage things. i tell you what, I am really excited about this one, and, and that's... That just tells you something right there. I'm really excited to talk about this one. So, so if that was not an intro story to putting God first in your marriage, what in the world do I want to talk to you about today? How many of you noticed the number of times I used the word thought? See, it turns out that's actually what was wrong with our marriage, is what we thought what I want to talk to you today about is putting God first in our thinking which is so often overlooked we, we don't worry so much about what's going on up here the way that we really need to think about what we're thinking so just for the fun of it I did a little nerd research come on some nerds in the room give me a high five amen something like that there here's a, a, a little bit to help us understand how our brains work so those of you that didn't like science class just grin and bear it for a minute okay Alright, here you go. It's been proven over and over again that Thinking about something causes your brain to release neurotransmitters. Woo, big word there. What are neurotransmitters? They are chemical messengers that control virtually all of your body's functions, from your hormones to your digestion to feeling happy, feeling sad, feeling stressed. You know, here's what we tend to do. We think that there is a separation of when our brain just does that thing to run our body, and then the brain that does all of the thinking, and the brain that thinks doesn't talk to the brain that runs stuff. And what we have figured out scientifically is that the, the thinking side of the brain is affecting the running side of the brain, that what we think actually changes what's going on. Here, here, let me explain this. It turns anybody ever heard of neopeptides? Well, there you go. Three of you paid attention in science class. So every cell in our body, this, this second piece of research here says that every cell in our body has all of these little receptors and so these little receptors are, are picking up on these neopeptides, these little protein things. And so when we have feelings of anger and sadness and guilt and excitement or happiness or nervousness, every one of those emotions releases a different neuro, neo, which one is, let me get my word right, neuro, 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 that's what. Those of you that said you knew what a neopeptide was, y'all are lying. <laughs> I did that just to fool you. Just kidding neuropeptides. And, and, and now follow this. So the cells then know what neuropeptides they're picking up. They're like, oh, hey, negative thought. Oh, hey, negative thought. Oh, hey, negative thought. And, and they, they get really good at the kinds of, oh, happy thought. Oh, happy thought. Oh, happy. Here, now follow this. Your cells are constantly reproducing and multiplying. Now, this is a scary thought, but it's scientifically true. When your cell reproduces, it reproduces with more receptors for what you've been giving it and less receptors of what you haven't been giving it. Think about this. If I ran a shipping business and I decided to open a new port, I would build docks for the kind of ships that keep coming because I want to make money. I'm not going to go over here and build a dock for a big old cruise ship if cruise ships don't ever come. I'm going to build docks for what I've been getting. So if you are constantly bombarding your mind with negative thoughts and negative beliefs and negative attitudes, then your cells are reproducing docks for negative ships only. You ever tried to talk a negative person into thinking something positive? I mean, come on. How many of you know an Eeyore in your life? Well, it's not a very good tale but I'll lose it anyway. Well, you're right. God loves me. He can just take me on to heaven now. Well. You know why Eeyore can't change? Because every cell in his body cannot receive anything. But well. He's done that so long and so often. here's the good news we reproduce every cell in our body approximately every two months so all the eors in here can change (laughs) but flip that around some of you say you know i used to be really happy i don't know what happened because those cells replaced every two months true research right here this is weird i don't know how they did this one right here they found 28 people to do research on, and they somehow implanted them with some uh, DNA codes that they watched. I I don't know how this worked. That's okay. We don't have to know. But here's what happened. These these were people who were trained in changing their emotions. That that tells me they must have done this in Hollywood. Anyway, when the researchers felt love, joy, and gratitude, those little spirally DNA strands actually relaxed and stretched out and got longer. When those same researchers then felt anger, fear, frustration, and stress, the DNA codes tightened up, shrank, and in many cases, they shut off. But as soon as those same researchers started feeling love, joy, and gratitude again, the codes that had stopped working started again. How crazy is all that stuff? Come on, somebody say crazy, right? Until you put two and two together. Do you know? that God created our minds and our bodies. And do you know how much the Bible says about our thinking? That's where you're cue to go, no, Jimmy, tell me how much the Bible says about our thinking. Actually, the truth is I don't have time to tell you how much the Bible says about our thinking because there is so much. It's, one of the, it's just huge. It's everywhere. But I am going to show you this. Romans 12. Too, if you've got your Bibles, you can join me. If not, check it out right here on the screen. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by acting like a really good Christian. Well, that's what we think, right? No, actually, but be transformed by the renewal of of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. One negative command, one positive, one don't and one do. Here's the don't. Don't be conformed. And this is not rocket science. This simply means don't be molded in accordance with a certain standard. We're naturally conformed to the things around us. Think about this. We like to go out to eat. Come on, everybody raise your hand if you like to go out to eat. We, we love to go out to eat. It's one of our favorite things to do, which doesn't make any sense because you have food at home. You have cheaper food at home. You have only food you like already at home. You don't let strange people touch your food at home. You know that no one has sneezed on it. No one has spit in it. You know that it didn't get dropped on the floor and picked back up at home. And yet we're like, honey, what do you want to do? I don't know. I want to go out to eat. But do you know why we go out to eat? Because everybody goes out to eat. We just conform to what we do. Hey, have you checked out that new restaurant? No, I got to check out the new. We just conform. Funny thing. So I'm an American. I go to my wife's village and I start dating my wife. And I say, let's go out to eat. And she says, where? Well, anywhere. But we don't have a where. See, in her village, there was not a lot of rich people. There were no rich So there were no restaurants because no one went out to eat. There was not a restaurant. That may blow our minds, but everything was conformed. They were just completely different, conformed about that. We literally had to borrow a car and drive 20 minutes just to go out to eat a pizza because no one in her village did that sort of thing. People conform to what's around them. Think about this. Uh, When you go to a a fast food place, they you, you order a sandwich of any kind and they say, would you like fries with that? And what do we all say? Of course. Why? Because when you eat a sandwich in a fast food place, you eat fries. Why? Because everybody does. It's just what you do. It's up there. There is no choice. Double cheeseburger with bacon, mayonnaise, lots of fat clog your arteries with a side of zucchini and broccoli and carrots. They don't offer it because no one does it. No one goes outside of the non We don't do that. We conform. How about three meals a day? Why do you eat three meals a day? Why? Because there are three meals a day because we've made up three words, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, the hobbits figured out there's more than that. There's at least second (laughs) breakfast, but no, just everybody around us only does three, so we do three. The real question is, why is every one of my examples about food? It's because I wrote this sermon during our week of prayer and fasting. Who wants lunch? Anybody want lunch? This is an important sentence. We do what comes naturally unless we become something else. So you'd think that sentence would go, we do what comes naturally unless we intentionally do something No, no, no. We do what comes naturally unless we become something else, which leads us away from the negative command to the positive. Don't be conformed. Do be conformed transform do be transformed means to change our essential nature it's where we get the word metamorphosis the greek word for transformed in your bible right here and i don't normally tell you greek words but it matters it's metamorpho it's the exact same word as metamorphosis what he is saying right here is don't be shaped like the world but i want you to be as different from the world as a butterfly is from the worm that it started from i want you to be that that worms don't fly Worms aren't pretty, and then suddenly, caterpillars turn, Woo! it flies, and it's colorful, and it's beautiful. I mean, that is the kind of transformed it's talking about. And how? By the renewal of this. Now, look, I I don't pick on one version of the Bible more than the other because they're all the Word of God, and all of them are going to help us follow God right. But most of our versions have shortcutted this next Greek thing that's important. And I don't normally do this, so just if you're a guest, just, just forgive me and follow along. The one that we're looking at says the renewal. Y'all got to put that back up there. The renewal, which is a noun. And most of us just think, well, the renewal of your mind is simply renewing your mind. So almost every version goes ahead and simplifies it for you and puts a verb in there, the renewing of your mind. The problem is that Paul, who wrote this, he used the Greek renewing many, many other times. Why in this one time did he actually not use a verb? Why in this one time did Paul go, wait a minute, I want this to be a noun. And I think it's important for us to understand what Paul is talking about here is this is not an activity I want you to do. It's a state of being that I want you to live in. And here's the difference. See, we tend to think of an activity as something we go and do. Been there, done that, got the t shirt See, if it says, let's renewing our mind, that's like going on vacation. Man, it's been a hard year. I'm tired. I can't wait. I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to take two weeks, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Now, I'm not going to be on vacation as I go and work really hard for the next 50 weeks dreaming of those two again. And that's the way we think of renewing our mind. Well, you know, I remember I went to that life group, you know, about six months ago, and the life group leader said this, and boy, that really changed how I thought about that. Boy, I tell you what, I did a good job renewing my mind. It's an activity, it's past tense, it's something we did. But Paul says, no, 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 I want you to live there. Come on, somebody's got to be happy about this one. You don't go on vacation, you are in a state of vacation. Somebody want that lifestyle? Yeah? That's what he's saying. You don't... Past tense, renewed, you don't just renew and kind of get over it. No, 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 you are constantly in a state of renewing your mind. You are constantly changing from what you were to what you're supposed to be. You are constantly, I'm going to make this a metamorphizing, metamorph- metamorphosizing. You are going from a caterpillar to a butterfly every single day being something completely different and the Greek says a better something. Not going backwards, but going forward. So here's a question for you. Am I becoming a completely different and better person by changing how I think now that I follow Jesus? What do you think about that? Are we becoming a completely different and better person by changing how we think now that we follow Jesus? So why do our minds need to be transformed? Paul had actually just told us this. you know sometimes we just read verses and we don't know where they come from but this letter to Romans that we're reading here he he had already talked about the importance of thinking he he had gone off and and made a few tangent remarks that were very very important and connected to that and then he comes back with that thing we just said do not be conformed to the world but be transformed so wait a minute Paul that was your your ending about that where did you start he started with something important back in chapter 8 and he says this for those who live according to the flesh set their minds set their minds set their mind. are y'all catching those words? They meditate on, they focus on, they intentionally say this, or they allow their mind to get set on the things of the flesh, which is our human nature, what our human nature thinks and says and wants. But those who live according to the capital S spirit, that means the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, set their minds on the things of the spirit. Real quick theology moment for you here is if you are a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells inside of you. That's that's an unarguable fact. That You go to any church, any doctrine, anybody, anywhere is going to tell you the Holy Spirit dwells inside of anyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ, that the two go together. The Holy Spirit is the one that enables us to have that faith, and because we have faith, and so some people argue about which came first, and we're not going to do that here this morning, but here's the point is once we become a follower of Jesus, the reason we cannot be conformed and we can be transformed is because we're supposed to stop thinking the way we did when the Holy Spirit didn't live inside of us, which was according to the flesh, our human nature, because our human nature is all we had. But now we're supposed to think according to the Spirit of God who lives inside of us because that changed. I mean, come on, married people, do y'all know what I'm talking about? There was a day you thought like a single person because you were a single person. It didn't matter where your socks landed because nobody else was coming in that room. It did not matter that you ate ramen every day because nobody else watched. Nobody else, you didn't didn't have to serve ramen to a second person. None of that mattered. And suddenly there's another person there. And where your socks lands matters. And you can't do the like, you know, sniff the underwear and see if it's okay for another day. That's okay when you're single. It's not okay when you're married. Life changes when you live permanently with another person. Life changes when you go from being a human to being a child of God filled with His Spirit. We set our minds on completely different things. He he goes on to say, for to set the mind. You just need to get that phrase. I mean, he's preaching to the Romans, set the mind. He went and preached to the Colossians and said, for those who set their mind. I mean, he used this over and over and over. Matter of fact, in almost every letter to almost every church, Paul did a major discourse on, let me talk to you about your thinking. And in the ones where he didn't do a major discourse, he snuck in all these words. But consider this and discern that. He was always talking about how he think. And here's why. He said, for the, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit... Is life and peace. You know what we set our minds on. You see, we say things like "I can't forgive," that's the death of that relationship. But to say "I can forgive" is life to that relationship and peace to your soul. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. When you do forget peace, God can't fix this. Is the death of a marriage. I'll never succeed. Is the death of a vision. I, my life doesn't matter. Is the death of a destiny, I'm going to tell you one of the biggest things that I do as a pastor. People come to me for counseling, and they think that all day long I give out all of this infinite knowledge and secrets of Bible study and Greek words and this and that and everything else, and Patrice will agree with me on this. We usually don't do any of that. We spend every day when we meet with people simply talking to them about what is going on up here and trying to change that to what lines up with what God says. We're not trying to say, oh, you've never heard how to read your Bible? Well, you pick it up. You No, people know how to do stuff. What they don't understand is something's going on up here that is blocking everything in their lives. We spend almost the entire counseling appointment of every appointment just dealing with what they believe, what they think about themselves or about another person or about God. And so that leads us really to this question for today. What do we do? Do not be conformed, be transformed, because we don't want our mind set on death. We want our mindset set on life and peace. Everybody's with me. Everybody's saying, yes, Jimmy, what does that mean? Well, Paul also said this, not to the Roman church, but to the Corinthian church. He says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. What, what does it mean to take captive to obey Christ? Take a thought captive to about what in the world does that mean? Any parent, in the room, and if you're not a parent, you're, you've been a child. So you've been in one end of this story at some point in your life. When you're a parent and you're in a grocery store and, and you've got like four kids and suddenly you look around, there's only one, and, and there are kids running everywhere, and, and you're, you're looking, come here, stop running. And, and, and then one second later, you go to get something off the shelf and they're running again and they're gone. And what do you do? You grab that kid's hand. I promise, Daddy, I won't run anymore. Of course you're not running anymore, because I just took you captive. And you will obey. Just let go. You're squeezing my hand a little hard. That's too bad. Captivity hurts sometimes. You should be glad I'm only squeezing your hand right now. No, I'm not letting you go. And the rest of the time, you're pushing the cart like this, and you got a kid like that, and then you hope the other three kids, because you know you got four. That's what you get for having that many kids. See, it starts with this. What, which thoughts do we take, Captain? Did you catch that part on we destroy arguments and opinions? We destroy the opinions that are raised. See, this is the most important thing. Where do we get the knowledge of God so that we know what opinion is raising itself against the knowledge of God? it's the reason we started this series with put god first in our day by getting into his word this is where we know the truth about god this is where we know the truth about ourselves this is where we know the truth about anything and anytime we see an opinion that's raised against this that's where we get those opinions i'm not going to do a a full list because i can't it is not possible to list every opinion that is raised against the knowledge of god but i've got categories if you'll allow me to do that first one is fear some type of anxiety worry, stress, fear of control, fear of the outcome, fear of our lack of control, any of those things, the opinion is this, God either won't do good or you can't trust God that's an opinion causes us to think fear another way that we think and have opinions is despair or hopelessness it's, it's the kind of thinking that says it won't get better, it can't get better. The opinion is simply, what, well, God doesn't care and God won't move and, and I'm not important to God and however you want to word that. Some of the opinions are, are lust. It's simply thinking that physical pleasures matter most. It's an opinion that says, I can be satisfied through what I see or what I taste or what I touch or what I feel. Some of the opinions we have fit into the category of want. I just want, I want more. What I have is not enough, I just want. It's it's thinking that money and material belongings and accomplishments and impressing people, that that is what matters most. It's an opinion that says, God hasn't blessed me enough. Stuff will make my life better. Stuff will make people think better of me. Which leads to my last category, lies. We think lies. Stuff that just flat out contradicts what this says. The opinion is what I believe, what I feel, what people say is more real to me than what God says to me. That's an opinion we need to destroy all of those are some opinions we need to destroy just like the kids running in the store how many of you have been that parent said why doesn't somebody straighten out their kids why does not somebody stop that going over on the next aisle why doesn't somebody deal with that oh that somebody would be me those are my kids you know that's funny but here's what i want you to hear we must recognize when it's our thoughts that are just opinions running wild. We must recognize when it's our thoughts that are just opinions running wild. I'm not sure y'all got that, I'm gonna say that one more time. Are y'all getting this? The beginning of this is when we recognize that our thoughts are just opinions running wild. They don't line up with anything that God says and then we take it captive when that's my child on the next aisle that means I don't keep checking out cereal boxes on this aisle that means I go over to that aisle and I say come here you will hold my hand till we leave this store but daddy no you will hold my hand but that, no Come on, if you've never been a parent who's had a child running, you're not gonna get this because you need to, my husband will never change. But no, uh-uh, you're gonna hold my hand. You will not, no, 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 not up there. Don't, don't say my husband will never change. You don't belong on the next aisle. Uh-uh, you're you're not staying up here. Oh, my marriage has no, oh, no, no, no. We're taking that captive. Come here, thoughts about my marriage. You're holding my hand. I'm gonna tell you what my marriage is gonna do. Oh, but God doesn't love me. No, we're not, uh-uh. I'll never amount to, no, no. You're not running wild on the next aisle thoughts about me and who I am and my value. You get over here right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold your hand. Are you guys catching this? Because y'all, y'all looking like I scared you or something. Back to the story I was telling you at the beginning. You've heard time and time and time again about change in our marriage and and I've told you I'm excited to talk about it again and, and do a series that will help some of you with your marriage and you say well what changed? everybody always wants the secret which one of you changed how they were doing everything? neither we did eventually but it didn't start there everybody wants it to start there well I will do this when they do that that's not what changed it fixed our marriage what fixed our marriage was we changed how we thought about our marriage we changed how we thought about each other we changed how we thought about God we changed how we thought about the promise we had made y'all getting this? we changed how we thought the other stuff began to fall in line after that. Because thinking, thinking is everything. Here's here's the thing I need you to understand. The life you want is not limited by your circumstances. It is limited by your thinking about your circumstances. The life you want is not limited by your circumstances. It's limited by your thinking about your circumstances. You see, our problem is we want the results of our thinking to change without changing our thinking. There there are some people who are saying, oh, please help me with my depression. And look, depression can be hormonal. Depression can be physiological, but many times depression is the end line of us thinking nobody loves me. God is not there for me. I am nobody. I don't matter. I'm not important, but I'm going to write on a prayer card. Please, somebody get my depression to go away while I sit here and say, I'm not important. I am no good. God doesn't love me. I know his word doesn't say that, but that's what I think, and I'm going to hold on to what I think. And hope my depression goes away does that make any sense what we have at the end of our thinking if you keep thinking your husband will never change if your wife is a horrible person if your children will never amount to anything and you you suddenly want the end of the road to change but you don't want to change the road of what's going on up here it's never going to change we've got to change here it starts right here Our life is not determined as much by our circumstances as what we think about them. I got a little excited there. I think I did scare some of you on that one. So here's my challenge. Let's take some thoughts captive. Let's take some thoughts captive. Let's begin to meditate. I I mean, I really just need like four more weeks to tell you how to do this. And and we don't have it. But I, I know people who are very successful that wake up every day and they read to themselves a statement a self-affirmation statement i am a child of god i am called to do and they fill in the blank i am a husband i am a father who will succeed at his marriage and and love his children or or put that in female or whatever it is you know why because they're making sure each day they reset their thinking That's why each day we put God first because this is where you're going to find out the truth. Every day you need to start with what is true about God? What is true about my destiny? What is true about me? What is true about my purpose? We've got to begin to change our thinking. Here's what I'm going to ask some of you to do. You figure out how it works for you. Some of you, you're going to need a journal of some sort. And every time you have one of those thoughts, you need to take captive. I want you to write it down captive page this is prison when I write you down in here you don't come out again and, and then go and find a, a verse that says the truth that contradicts that thing you've been thinking that thing that says man I, I will never amount to anything that you go and get Ephesians two ten. 10 I am God's workmanship created for good works before the beginning of the world we oh, wait 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 a minute Stupid thought running around let me tell you about yourself before God made earth he had already figured out what I was gonna do on it I'm not gonna to listen to you telling me anymore I can't be anything and I'm not gonna be nobody uh-uh. I'm writing you down close that but you're in prison you're in my journal of captivity thought you're not running around free in here anymore and you put that Bible verse everywhere you put it on your fridge you put it on your mirror you put it on your steering wheel you put it everywhere And remember, it takes two months to reproduce cells. So you're going to look at that Bible verse every time you can for the next two, three months. I mean, as long as you can until you change how you think. Because God must be first in our thinking. If God is not first in our thinking, nothing else matters. Now think about this. This is not in my notes. This is just just for extra. But as I was just praying over the message this morning, I really felt like God pointed out something to me. The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. But Jesus said, what comes out of here is what was already going on in here. That this is just the overflow of our thinking. And so we've preached sermons, and you've probably heard sermons. Oh, be careful with what you say. Be careful with what you say, because the power of life and death is in the tongue. Be careful what you say. I'm going to tell you the reason that many of us have heard those sermons and have never been able to change our lives Is because we've only tried to make a change somewhere about the back molars Oh, it's okay right up here, but I won't It's up here, but I'm going to bottle it up right here and I'm going to be a good Christian Your life had not changed You want to change what's coming out of here Stop creating a bottleneck right back here and let's do something up here let's put god first in our thinking some of you the thoughts that you've had up to this point in your life is i don't need god i'm not that bad of a person i don't need to be saved or you thought this jesus died i'm a human i'm good none of those thoughts line up with the truth of the gospel here's the truth of the gospel Every single one of us needs to be reconnected to our Heavenly Father. We've been separated by a thing called sin. None of us are perfectly holy. And humanity was not automatically saved as a whole by that one action of Jesus, meaning as soon as you're born, you're good to go because you're in the club. No, but every human has the opportunity some point in life every one of us needs to see time go away look at jesus hanging on the cross and say thank you thank you that you're doing that for me so now i'm going to live for you if you've never done that i want to help you do that here this morning because being human is not enough it's being a human who recognized jesus died for you and you accept that free gift I'm not going to embarrass you. Ask you to come down front, but right where you're seated. I'm just going to lead you in a conversation with him. Would you all join me? Would you pray? Say something like this to yourself and to God, Lord Jesus. I thank you. I thank you that you died for me, and now I want to live for you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And my simple prayer in this place today, is you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Come on, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.